There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy. From the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen listening in, this is the greatest case study on men. We talk to the conscious man and his journey on the conscious path. From unconscious to conscious, we wake up. And I'm here with my man, Kurt Tropiano, long-lost brother, reconnected on a different path now. Brother, how are you? Really good, man. Really good. Glad to be here. We just... We're just having a good old yarn about where we first met, and it was what are we in 2020 now? Was that 2009? Yeah, mate, it was ish. a long time ago. That's ish. a long time. Yeah, ish. We were, um, we was you were at uni. I just moved back to Perth, selling raffle tickets in the suburbs of Subiaco, um, doing the old marketing. What do they call it? Not Martin, a pyramid scheme marketing fucking work, and then we're selling raffle tickets, and that's where we first met, man. And yep. Long time in between drinks, uh, we bumped into each other at a mutual friend's house like nine years later, and I still remembered you out of all the people I was there. We only had worked together like maybe one month, I don't even know, but I'd, I'd just had never forgotten you, man. And then now here we are, it's crazy, yeah, man. It's crazy how life, uh, how life brings us back together. And in the past, take and I imagine we would have went out and then come back in, and you know, at meeting at my good friend's place that was what yeah. a what a surprise so that was, yeah. was wonderful to so see sure. after all those years man and just see the change right. straight away in your face straight yeah. away yeah it was amazing yeah yeah well definitely it was definitely an unconscious period of my life back then is a, a struggling little boy in a teenage suit but you got to i mean this is what we're talking about right now eh? like from the unconscious to the conscious man exactly exactly if you don't experience that how do you know how do you know what you yeah. want or how do you know how far you've come? Yeah, man. Amen. So first question, brother, quick fire. Where did you grow up? Where did you grow up and where do you live now? So I grew up in a small town, small rural town called Mullawar. So it is about four and a half hours northeast of Perth. And I grew up on a farm. Yeah. So yeah. on a wheat and sheep farm with mum and dad, um, with a brother and a sister. Uh, the school had a total of 
50 kids in the primary school mm. and, and then I went to boarding school uh, on the coastal town in Jelton and right now I live in Shanghai in China. Wow, Jesus. How old are you now? I am 29, turning 30 this start of the next year. Oh, wow. Awesome, man. And um, did you ever play footy for Mullawal? I did. I played uh, junior footy for Mullawal and then went and played for brigades in when I was at boarding ah. school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I, um, I played for the Rovers. We beat Mullawal in the grand final undefeated to play against. Who, who was the dominator there? Kelvin Mallard. Do you know Kelvin, Kelvin Mallard? Kelvin Wall or Kelvin Mallard? Kelvin Mallard. I think uh, he might be a Northampton boy, but uh, he was playing for, for um, Mullawal. What grade was, was that? He was a beast, man, like a, uh, under 14s. Under 14s, yeah. He, was, that, he looked about 18. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that, mate, they're always talented, always talented. Yeah, so and many that, good footballers up there, eh? So many good footballers and always hated Rovers, mate. Always hated Rovers. <laughs> Believe it or not, Everyone I, I, does, eh? always thought Rovers was like, they are the demons, for those of you who don't know, and they are red and black. And yeah. I always associated them with like being dark, right? Because they would always yeah. want to fight, fight and always want to hate on you. So, wow. Yeah, always yeah. hated them. We, we, we were, um, I think at that point, we were dominating and like we were undefeated in that year and we won the grand final. Um, but I was like, even the 16s were doing good. Like they had um, Paddy Ryder there. Yeah. And in the 16s when I was in the 14s. And like, I don't know, they were just dominating. But I was, I was loving it, mate. I was loving it because I wasn't losing. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was all good. We won a grand final and got out of there real quick. Yeah. Bro, what do you do for a living right now? Mate, so I am a strength and conditioning coach and bringing – and within that, bringing holistic parts into my coaching. So I'm currently in transition uh, and my new job is going to be working at the Shanghai Sports Institute here. So it's the wow. equivalent of like the West Australian Institute back home and I'll be working with a hockey team and a few other teams and bringing in, and while I love, love strength and conditioning, I've always loved uh, helping people develop their performance to the highest that they can be especially in, in athletes, I've got a sporting background and love it. What I also love is bringing in the holistic side, bringing in the conscious side with it as well. So things like yeah. bre- breathing and breathing techniques, using uh, awesome. cognition techniques, you know, visualization, building energy, all the rest of it. And, you know, with women bringing things like tracking their cycles and how they can connect to their cycles, all these sort of things within strength and conditioning and high performance. And, and that's my passion. Wow, wow that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you are good friends with Cam McDougall as well. He does something similar. Yeah. I think he's bang on, like very similar with you, eh? Yeah, yeah, very similar. Um, I work mainly with athletes, uh, though, yeah. and, and Cammy's working with uh, the general, general pop and everyone. Uh, yeah. But Cammy, yeah, Cammy and I go way back and, um, you know, helped on on each other's journeys in in Canada yeah, man. five years ago now and yeah is that where you met him back in Canada yeah yeah I met him when I was living in Vancouver and we worked at the wow. same at the same gym there at the time and just clicked straight away mate it was one of those things where we only spent you know three months together before I moved on to China for the first time but you know it was just like we we're brothers from the start so and just helping dive in on each other's journey 
Man, what a world, eh? What a world we live in. What a world. Bro, what's, what's one thing you're really good at? Uh, really good at connecting and connecting genuinely through the heart. With other people. Yeah, with other people. Yeah, really yeah, good at connecting nice. with anyone, connecting through the heart. Um, mm. Yeah, on a, on a deep basis. So that's one thing Beautiful, I'm good at. Bro. It comes naturally. Uh, beautiful, man. What's one, mm. what's, what's one of your biggest fears right now? My biggest fear right now is I, you know, I just found out that I'm going to be a dad for all the listeners out there, which is super exciting. But my biggest, <laughs> fear, my biggest fear is that I won't be a good dad, and mm. you know that's that's ridiculous because I will be. But no one, <laughs> no, no, no one said that fears were fears were rational, right? So yeah, that's it. My biggest fear is around providing, providing for you know, my child and being a good good role model and being a good father. Mm, I feel that, brother. Mm. What's one of your favourite quotes? <laughs> well, one of my favourite quotes is, um, there's a couple, but one of them is, if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your parents. <laughs> Love that one. <laughs> that, one that, one's by, yeah, that one's by Eckhart Tolle. Um, yeah. And that, that's hilarious. One of my friends and I were just talking about that the other day because he's stuck in the corona back home and uh, spending time yeah. with his parents and was just, get, was just in it the other day and I had to have a little laugh about that one. About, totally, um, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the other one that I've remembered since I was high school at high school is comparison is the fast track to misery. Yeah. Amen. So that means in comparison to your other friends, you're judging yourself as or based off someone else's expectations. Exactly. So I remember being, you know, being a young high schooler who wanted to play, you know, for the Eagles and wanted to play cricket mm. for Australia and would always mm. compare, compare myself to, you know, how the other cricketers went about it or how, uh, you know, yeah. we, were, we were at boarding school with Jamie Cripps and like Jamie Cripps yeah. was, you know, was a, a beast of athletic beast, right? Fast. Fast as hell, you know, could kick at 60 meters, you know, off a step, you know, and just comparing yourself to comparing yourself to others. So whenever mm. you whenever you compare yourself, you're outside of yourself, you're giving your power away and you're looking and focusing outside rather than focusing on on yourself and what you're good at mm. and what you're here to do. Yeah. Would you come to say now that it's like more so your gifts are connected to somewhat a greater purpose that you have? Are you just focusing on what you're actually really good at is more important than focusing on what someone else is really good at? Oh, for sure. For, for sure. Look, yeah. it's, all about, it's all about what you're here to do, right? And, that's, yeah. and that may be similar to someone else. It may, it may not be similar to someone else, but it doesn't matter. This is, it's your journey. So just worry, about, just worry about what you're here to do. Worry about your yeah. thoughts. You know? Worry mm. about your happiness. So, mm. and, that's, that's, so all true, you, man. that's all you can control. So, yeah. Yeah. Fucking oath, brother. What's a what's a conscious man to you? A conscious man is somebody who is somebody who is willing to dive into himself and is willing to show up for himself this lifetime in whatever he's supposed to do. It's as simple mm. as that. Showing up for himself. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So just diving into what he's good at in this life. Yeah, ultimately, good for him. Yeah, ultimately, look, I believe that we're here to bring our higher self into physical form, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
I think that, you know, we're all here to, to be able to get to that connection for, with your higher self and bring it into physical form. So it's not to go spend, not necessarily to spend time, you know, out in the ethers without, with, while forgetting to, to live, live a good life here physically, you know, and it's not, yeah. it's not to ignore the, the spiritual while we're living a physical life, you know, it's to bring the yeah. two together and ultimately Amen. live to our greatest purpose. Fucking amen to that, brother. Mm. What is uh, what's one thing that challenges you right now? Is it the is it the baby daddy thing? The one thing that challenges me right now is being comfortable, being comfortable in the discomfort right now. Because as we were mm. speaking before, you know, there's a lot of things going on in my life at the moment. So you know, a new dad, you know, moving moving apartments and moving in. Uh, moving with my partner, moving apartments, you know, helping to hold space for my for my partner during the early stages of pregnancy, uh, shifting mm. jobs and shifting out of a out of a toxic work environment, which I'm still in. So you're still in the transition, but I'm still having to deal with that toxic environment every day. So for me, a lot of that is really uncomfortable. So because mm. I'm just all together. Uh, with a with a combination of of stresses and especially that toxic work environment, it's just me being comfortable uh, in in the discomfort and being and uh, learning from it rather than hating and buying into it. Is really just learning from it and growing from it and becoming stronger from it instead of giving my power away with it. So that's for me. That's what I'm in right now. Yeah, I respect that, brother. Appreciate Thanks, your your uh, authenticity there. So we were saying before, it's like it's this isn't a this isn't a destination type thing. Like we haven't made it. We're on the journey still. We're on the path still. We're still working through shit. It's just you know, like you said, we've got tools and we're looking at it differently, right? For sure, mate. For sure, I was listening to a podcast with Michael Gervais and interviewing Deepak Chopra the other day, and uh, you know he's you know he's still talking about how he hasn't. He hasn't mastered mastered this lifetime, you know. And he's you know seventy five years old, and he would be. Deepak was saying this. Yeah, Deepak was saying this. You know, seventy five years old, and has you know been on this path since he's six years old, right? So, if uh, you know, and he's the one that I consider at the forefront of being a conscious man. So, Mm. it's a forever thing. It's a forever thing. That's powerful. Super powerful, mate. It was wonderful hearing him say it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're just like, oh, music to my ears. Yeah, well, Takes I mean. a little bit of pressure off us, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, look we, you know, someone who I've been lucky enough to be exposed to this since a young age. So I've been on this path for a very young age. And, you know, yeah. some, sometimes, you know, the ego can sneak in look, and be like, you yeah. know, you're not, you're not doing enough. You're not, you aren't enough yet. You know, you haven't mastered these things. And at least this is what pops up for me when the ego wants to give me yeah. a hard time for some reason, right? You're not doing enough. You're not being enough. You're not, you're not enough. And, uh, yeah. and I think, you know, that's like a perfect example of just sitting down and just shutting up and just coming back to the present and just connecting mm. and just understanding it's a journey and just keep on, keep on keeping on with it, keep on chipping away, learn your lessons and keep on going more positive, more mm. strong. So. Yeah, man, I feel you, brother, and I'm, I resonate. That's that's true for me too, man. You like you're still constantly battling like the ego, the I wants, the I wants, and 
you'll always have what you need, not what you want. <clears throat> exactly. And it, right, like you'll get to the point in the future where your I wants become what you need if they come from the heart. That's at least in my experience. Mm. Which sort of comes into the next question: What what does unconditional love mean to you? Unconditional love is literally seeing the other person as as a soul and understanding yeah. who that who they really are. And so who they really are is, you know, a soul of a soul of God, a soul of light, a soul of the universe, yeah. whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. And seeing yeah. them seeing them just as that and not loving them because you're going to get that love back, not loving them because they're going to do something for you or not loving them because they've done something for you. You know, so that that's how I see unconditional love, you know. Yeah. At, the, at the moment, I'm working hard, like on loving the bosses at my at my work where I'm transitioning, because I, yeah. I, they are challenging me to the my utmost. Uh, when it, the easy thing to do is just to I can tell them that they're dickheads and fucking, you know, stick it to them and move on. But I'm just trying so hard just to keep the heart open and to just see them as yeah. a soul. It, it's their journey, you know. It's their learning. It's my learning. We're coming into each other's lives for a reason and just mm. love them for that and just let it go. And that yeah. shit's hard. Look, that shit's fucking Fuck hard. Fucking nice, man. Fucking and, nice. And, but that's what I'm working on at the moment. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that, man. It's like all you want to do is just punch them in the face, really. And you're a fuckwit. But, like, man you see them as a part of yourself when you look at them as a soul, you know, you go, you are just a subject of your experiences who is here to learn something on your own journey as an individual soul, not taking it personally mm. as like, as, as, as it's been as directed at you, you know, like I think if you can do that, you really master the game. If you can really see them as a soul, as a part of a greater picture, man, not easy. Like you say, not easy at all. For sure, look, and we, but worth know, it. yeah, and we know these things, right? It's it's these things mm. that we know, but sometimes when it comes to practice, the easiest thing to do is just like is to shut off and just be like, no, nah, fuck yeah, like you know, mm. if you're not going to respect me, then why should I respect you? You know, blah 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 yeah. blah blah. But at the end of the day, all that's doing is hurting you, right? All that's doing is hurting yeah. you. That's just making you resentful. That's making you yourself and angry. You know the, and that's where the when you can shine a light on that, when you can stay open, when you can hold your heart open in those times, that's when change shifts. Now that's when, yeah. that's when you can create change because they can feel that they feel that you're not yeah. taking on any of the, the negativity and you're bringing your heart and, and the light into that. That's when you can actually create change and shift those environments. So mm. I know that and it's hard for me, you know, I'm fighting that at the moment, but I'm working on it. So yeah. Mm. Good, good to hear, brother. Mm. Now, last question for the quick fire: Do you believe in a greater power, and what is that to you? Yeah, I most certainly do believe in a greater power, <laughs> and uh, yeah, well and truly do. And for me, that's you know, I just call it call it universe, a universal power. For me, whatever you want to call it, you want to call it God, you want to call it universe, you want to call it whatever. You know, there's a, definitely a greater power out there. You know, I I believe in you know, masters, angels, archangels, guides, all the, all the good stuff. Yeah. And, 
yeah, and the the wonderful power of the universe. Right? So the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, beautiful man. How does the law of attraction tie into that for you? Uh, for me, it's just one of the many laws, one of the many universal yeah. laws that are out there. Um, the light shall set you free is an awesome book for anyone who wants to learn about the the laws of the universe. Who wrote that? Uh, there's a couple of um, couple of like really interesting last names. It's like Slovakian last names or something like that. But it's a channel oh, okay. text. It's a channel text from the masters. Oh, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, I'll I'll send it. I'll send you a picture after it, Luca. But the light shall okay. set you free. Um, is goes through all the laws. So the law of attraction is just one of many. Yeah. Interesting. Law of Interesting. momentum, law of momentum, law of blah, 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 all the rest of it, karma, all that stuff yeah. plays into it. So it's just one uh, of many laws. Yeah, all right. I'll see it here now. The Ascended Masters state this book is destined to transform the world. Contained within these pages are some of the greatest spiritual teachings from ancient mystery schools plus instruction on how to apply these teachings to our everyday lives. Whew. Sold. I'll take ten. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. My cup of tea. There's only been that a few. Awesome. Books, there's only been a few books where I've just been like, every word I read is truth. That, yeah, wow. That is one of them, and the Book of Mastery series by Paul Selig is the other ones. Wow. That I just pick up. I can feel its power in my hand. I can feel the energy. Feel it vibrate. Yeah. And just every time I read it, I'm just like. This, this to me, just a feeling inside is like truth. This is truth. This is not someone else saying their opinion or someone else putting their spin on it. This is truth. So, wow. yeah. Did you grow up religious? No, not religious. Or had a spiritual up, spiritual upbringing. Spiritual upbringing, like mum, mum was mum's very spiritual, and from from kids, you know, mum taught us how to breathe and meditate when we were kids to get us to go to sleep. You know, mum was wow. diving diving in on her own journey when we were kids um, and we would, you know, we're a very open family, so she would teach us all about it. And so we learned about the law of attraction when we were young. You know, we learned how to control our thoughts when we were young, you know, our emotions. We learned how to express. You now we learned about angels and gods. These were just normal conversations around the dinner table. <laughs> That's so, so good. Yeah, so we, I was lucky, very lucky enough to be exposed to this at a young age and, yeah, and have a have teachers along the way, and continue to mm. obviously continue to work on it. Man, it's a gift, hey! When you come in, you know you've got you're starting at that young. You know you've got a, a greater purpose in that field. For sure, for sure, mate. It's beautiful. And, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get into the main questions now, brother, and we've got some eleven juicy questions sort of going at the start of your unworked journey to the to the conscious path and i know this might have started quite early for you but let's see how this goes what what did your life look like as unwork and what does it look like now yeah so as i as i just said like we i started having this at an early early age i was exposed to this mm. very early on so the for me, like I was always on this journey from a very young age. Um, but wow. what I can say is like along the way, like I'm obviously wasn't woke. I was learning how to learning how to find my place in the world, learning how to how everything would fit in. But from a young age, like I would um, you know, I would try to meditate, you know, I would try and build these techniques in. But what I found was like I was an odd one out, obviously. Like when they're growing up like this, so 
when I wouldn't necessarily say that I was unwoke at the time, but it was how I was learning to be woke when everyone else around me was unwoke and mm. unwoke, not woke. And uh, <laughs> yeah, same, same. But, so for me, when as I was growing up, you know, no one else would, I wouldn't have anyone else to talk about this with other than my mum because mm. you no know, one else would understand. But I knew that it was, it was a part of me. So, um, so for me, the challenge was, you know, finding, you know, finding others who, you know, believed and shared the same journey as me and, you know, friends at, you know, high school and friends at college, you know, no one would sort of understand what, how I viewed the, viewed the world. So I, mm. that would be what I'd struggle with, right? I understand that this was important for me and this is what I wanted in my life. But my, my, I had the hardest time with other people connecting with other people who felt the same way because no one mm. else did. And I, I was, you know, I was the weird kid. So um, that was, that was the struggle in the unwoke phase. And, mm. you know, now living this life, what's it look like now? I have, I have wonderful friends. I have, I have many friends, but I have, you know, a few very close friends. And, you know, Luke, Tracy, Cam, you know, my brother, my sister, the big ones, mm. you know, and so I have a really tight support support group. And for me, I look at the world in a different way and I force myself to look in a different way every time. So just like these, mm. I see everything as a growing experience, everything is a learning experience. Mm. Sometimes I need to get it, you know, get my friends to, slap me over the head a little bit and remind me that everything's like a learning experience and growing experience, but I see everything as trying to become more open in my heart, trying to expand my mm. mind more, trying to see how I can serve the world more, you know, mm. and that's, that's where I come to operate from and just learning how to bring my gifts to the world in, in a way that will help elevate the consciousness. So that's mm. the way I look at it now. So everything I'm doing in my strength and conditioning, breathing, meditating, visualizing with athletes, you know, I'm hoping that my influence there, my love, my care for them will help spread that out into, into the world and help yeah. elevate the lives of athletes. So, Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Interject that wisdom into the, every opportunity that you have in your work. That's beautiful, bro. Yeah. What was, what was your biggest vice um, growing up as a teenager into your early teens, like, did you have a, a, a significant vice? I, I did look. The significant vice for me is that I didn't believe in myself. Yeah, I know mm. that's not not necessarily the specific. You it's know, not the first time. Yeah, but it Someone's wasn't. Yeah, a few people have mentioned this. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't drinking. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, sex with everyone. It was just, for me, it was not believing in myself. Um, yeah. From a young age, not believing, you know, believing that because I was different, that, you know, maybe I wasn't enough or, you know, things like that. That that was my biggest vice is that I didn't believe in myself. You know, it took mm. me a long time to believe in, in myself and, you know, not to love myself for who I am because I – I did, but just believe in myself and that I wasn't enough than other mm. people who were around me. Wow, man. Wow. So. And 
what emotion challenged you most? I've got anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, and anger. What one? What one was a common theme in your in your upbringing? I'd say. Let me think of that. I think I'd say. I think I'd say more anxiety was mm. of just just around and that again, like of not being enough and yeah. just around that. Yeah. Just that anxiety around not being enough and uh, being in the group and being anxious to, to speak up and speak my thoughts, you know, even though it was different to the rest of my, you know, guy mates at college, you know, guy mates at mm. university and uh, yeah, like that anxiousness. That would, that would probably be the, the biggest one, biggest one wow. for me. Then. Yeah. Did you did you ever contribute that to something that happened in your past? Was there like a significant event that sort of told you that, like a memory that you can have that told you that you weren't good enough? The the biggest the the biggest thing that happened for me, I think, as a as a young as a young man. Um, that when I was in year eight and went to, I was in boarding school and came to, um, you know, Nagel Catholic College in Gelton, came to high school and the year eights would have a field to play on their own. Okay. So to connect, to bond, however the, the school wanted to do it. And the year, you know, no other year was allowed to play with them at lunchtime. You know, they had their own field. But the year nines, you know, would think that they're really cool and, you know, want to come over and show you how tough they are. And they'd come over and play, play football with us at lunchtime. And I remember, because I, I grew up learning, I grew up being taught to be, you know, to be fearless and especially playing football to go after the ball and, you know, to be tough on the football uh, and that sort of thing. So that just meant getting the ball, just being tough. And I remember one day we were playing against the year nines, year eight, year nines, and uh, I was a bit more of a, a stockier kid. And uh, I remember just going, going for the ball, balls in front of us running grabbing that ball and there was a year nine coming together at the same time. And I just grabbed the ball, protected myself, hip and shouldered him and cleaned him up, mate, knocked him off his feet. And he was one of the big year nines. And uh, I just got the ball, hand passed it away. And, you know, and I was like, ah, you know, it was pretty, and for me it was just normal. But a second later I had two of the big year nines grab me by the scruff of the neck, you know, grab me by the shirt and just hold up and just be like, because I cleaned up one of their mates. and just so I can get, get stuck into me about, um, you know, for, for cleaning up one of their mates and, you know, telling me, you know, telling me, you know, if I ever do it again, they'll knock me out and stuff like that. And for me, that, that shook me. All right. So that, that shook me to the core. And after that, you know, I, I lost a lot of like fire when I was playing, playing sport. So mm. for me, when I was playing football, I remember dad being like, hey, why, what's going on? Like, why aren't you? Why aren't you getting after? Why are you a bit timid and all that sort of stuff? Because I was worried after that that, you know, if I went hard and how I normally played, that, you know, I get I get hurt. So I was always I was I was anxious after that and uh worried that if I stood up then I would get hurt. So or I get hurt, mm. I get bashed or I get put down on. So Fuck. it wasn't it wasn't until years later when I was going on this, I was like, why? I used to be so hard, like why? You know, what, where, where is that? And that's where that came from. Uh, 
that came from yeah. just other kids' egos getting hurt in the playground and wanting to be tough and beat up this, beat me up. So it's wild, eh? How it can just mm. uh, transmit onto you, and then that just becomes a belief, um, and it means literally means nothing. But we've made yeah. it mean everything, eh? Hey? Have, mm-hmm. have you let that? Obviously, like, did you let that go as time went past, or did you have to heal that to step into sort of release that anxiety? Yeah, so I spent time breathing into that, actually, like uh, when, when that would count up, when I realised it, I was breathing into that, but just shining a light onto where that came from. Yeah. Um, I understood that that wasn't, you know, that that wasn't, that wasn't real, that wasn't a part of me, you know, and that could be let go. And it was just yeah. an experience, it was their experience that they were having and their egos were beaten. And that's why they, you know, they wanted to pick on me with violence and, and to forgive them for that. Like, because they're just kids and yeah totally man so yeah my mind's like uh inside i'm like fuck like that happened to me because playing for what what you so you would have been a year younger than me that would have been like trent potter and all those guys was it how was this cut was oh we played in 14s together yes we i'm sure you rovers <laughs> that was him yeah yeah that was him that was him fuck, he's a big boy yeah that was uh, that was him. I cleaned up. I can't remember who I cleaned up, but yeah, it was like ZC and and Potter and those boys had me by the scruff of the yeah. neck and yeah. Shit, man! You yeah. you must have fucking done some. You must have had it hit it really hard because he was a big frame. He was one of our biggest players. Mate, off his off their feet. Mate, I, I still remember it. I came off, and it was just me picking up the ball, just knocking them off their feet, and just wow. going just going on with the play. Turning around and just having, just awesome. yeah. I remember it, and then I remember I had to play on Zissy in in under fourteens, and uh, whoa, and and I got smashed obviously because I was shit scared. So, Fuck. and yeah, you know, I was shit scared of you know being being hit, being being. We fought. must we must have played again against each other then. If you were playing under, like what in under fourteens, you played against him. Yeah, Is that so, when he was playing for the Rovers? Yeah, that was probably when you guys won it, to be honest. I'm pretty sure you guys just belted everyone that year. Were you playing for um, uh, Brigades then or Mullaw? St. Pat's. Oh, you played for St. Pat's? I played for St. Pat's, yeah, at boarding school. At, yeah. yeah, boarding school. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that was us. That was us, mate. Yes. Okay, you probably would have ran over me. I was tiny. <laughs> I, I don't know, mate. In that, state, like... in that state, I was fucking, yeah, the chubby little yeah, boy. Wow. It's funny that, isn't it? It's just like that, um, that experience. It's like it just goes into our subconscious and creates a belief system that isn't real. It's just, it's just been programmed into us, just like that. And then you've obviously been able to unwind that to say, no, I am fucking worthy. Like, it just yeah. goes to show you can do it. Yeah, and and that underpinned a lot of being a good boy after that, right? Mm. Being a good boy, being a good good opponent on the field, you know, being you know being nice, you know, not me not wanting to ruffle ruffle any feather, feathers and shit like that. So yeah, you know, that underpinned being a good boy so that you don't cause conflict and so you don't get hurt. Yeah. Wow. Interesting, man. So growing up, whose love did you crave most, and and who did you have to be to get it? Uh, I craved dad's approval for football and for sport. So I wanted dad to tell me I had a good game after mm. I played. 
and I would base my games and my if I played a good game on whether or not my dad thought I played a good game. And, and that wasn't because he, you know, he was, you need to play like this, you need to be good. And, you know, he would with, it's not that he would withhold his love, you know, from me if I didn't play a good game, et cetera, but he was who, he was my measuring stick on if I, if I had a good game or not, you know, he was who I looked to for, to tell me that. So mm. I, I knew I always had mum's love. Mum and I had such a strong connection when we were young. So I never, you know, craved hers, but I would crave dad's approval for, for football. And mm. so, I, you know, in my mind, I had to play a good football game to, to be loved mm. or to, be, to have the tick mm. of approval. Wow, man. So um, talk to me about talk to me about one of the lowest points in your life. Did you have like a a memory of something that was really sort of challenging for you? And and was suicide a factor in your life? Did it ever like cross your mind or something through these periods? No, suicide never crossed my mind in these periods. But there was there's definitely times, and this and this is because it was addressed very early on, I think, Luca, you know, so I, I'm lucky enough to have a fairly open family. So especially direct yeah. family, but like, you know, my uncle would tell me that be open about, you know, him having suicidal thoughts at one point in time. And, you know, he would, he would always speak to me about it. He'd be like, Kurt, you know, like mm. if you ever, it's okay, you know, this is normal. But like, if you, if you have these, you know, talk to someone about it, you know, so I'm very yeah. lucky to, to have that in open family. But, you know, one of my lowest periods, of my life, Luca, was, uh, I guess, uh, I'd just gone to an internship in Phoenix and that was great and then came home and I just expected to get a job and for it to keep on going and um, keep on flowing. And so this was, I don't know, six years ago or so now. And, you know, I'm very lucky, you know, and I can see here and say this now, very lucky to have, you know, mum and dad owning a farm and they're always being worked for me whenever I need it. So in transition, I could always go home to the farm, spend time on the farm, work, and then go off again. But, you know, it's not my, it's not my passion. You know, it's not my drive. It's not my passion. It's my dad's passion. He's amazing at it. But it's something you need to really love, you know, to be good at. And, you know, for me, you know, coming back to the farm again was, you know, because I'd gone, done some work and then gone, gone off again. And to come back again for me was like, I felt like I was a, you know, I was a failure because I didn't want to have to come back, have to start from the bottom again and go. So, you know, especially after going to an internship, it being awesome, loving it. And then coming back to the farm in the middle of Mullawar, you know, to work on the farm. It's like, and I just have the burning inside of just knowing that that's not my, you know, mm. that's not my role in this lifetime. And so I was there, you know, and trying to find a job, you know, couldn't find a job anywhere. And, you know, for me, I was doing everything I could to, mm. you know, to build my energy, to, to do everything like that. But it was, it was just such a tough time because it wasn't where I wanted to be. And, you know, I'd be out doing seeding and washing, you know, washing machines down and stuff like that and just being like, this isn't me, you know, this is not where I am. And on one hand, it's super lucky to have that opportunity to go back and work and to be around family. But on the other, I just felt stuck and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know what was next. And, 
yeah, and in isolation in and just in it, basically nowhere to run and just in it. So that was the toughest period for me. And mm. ironically, the way I got out of it, like I was, you know, I distinctly remember this. I decided, I decided, and this is what happens when, whenever you do this, for anyone listening, whenever you do this, whenever you shine a light and decide to literally change your attitude and literally change your the way that you're perceiving something, that's when things are going to shift. So I decided, Luca, when you know I cracked the shits and Dad was like, "Kurt, you you get to choose how you how you think about it, though. You know, you get to choose how you see this opportunity." And so for me, I decided that I was going to enjoy my time at home instead of resisting it so much like mm-hmm. enjoy the fact that I got to be around supportive parents, enjoy the fact that I had a job mm-hmm. and be, you know, and be grateful for the fact that I was supported in this time of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like the pressure sort of lifted off me, right? The pressure lifted off all of a sudden I'm turning it to gratitude. I'm turning it to looking at the positives and that shifted. And what that allowed was space to be guided to where I could go next. So yeah. I remember filling up the truck because I was doing seeding. So, you know, you fill up the truck with seed and fertilizer, you go out and then I go and seed, put the seed in the ground. I was filling up the truck and a thought dropped into my mind. It's like, huh, you should ask Nugget because Nugget was one of my friends who went to summer camp the year before and was going again. He's like, you should ask him about summer camp if there's spaces in summer camp. And I was like, huh, well, maybe I'll do that. So I messaged him that night and he, he said he'd find out for me. Turns out there was no spots in his summer camp. But that night I get another message from one of my other mates. He's like, Kurt, did you know Kate who went to high school? Um, Kate um, Diamond, Rachel Diamond, sorry, who went to high school a year above me. Did you know that she's going to summer camp? And I was like, no. And he's like, did you ever think about doing summer camp? I was like, well, yes, I did had that thought that night. And so I reached out to her. Turns out they needed someone for sport, uh, a sport sport coordinator to run the place. And the next night I had an interview and I was the last person to get hired because it was so late in the process. And I got my passport with the visa in it the day before I was going to fly out. And then away I went. And that was... Holy shit. That's awesome, man. All right, bro. So I know you've been a spiritual person and you've grown up in a spiritual open family. Is there, I mean, you just explained that situation where like you have an insight which comes through and it's just like clarity going, huh, I got to, you know, you've accepted this moment on the farm and all of a sudden another, by accepting it, something else presents itself. It's like, it's like that ultimate um, understanding of, the workings of surrender, right? And the universe working for you. Was there anything else in your journey that was like a significant moment of awakening, like a like an aha moment that that you can remember that's that's been pretty prominent? There's there's been sessions. So I'm lucky enough to work with someone who um, you know works with energy mm-hmm. and. You know, there was a there was a session actually not too long ago that was quite profound for me. That you know, when we were, when we were in it and we were just connecting to 
I was connecting to my heart and I was connecting to, you know, the, the universe and expanding myself out. And for me, you know, I was in it, I was in it. And then it just dropped into me that nothing else matters, but knowing who you are. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, I know that I am, I am love. I know that I'm you know, a strong, loving person and nothing else matters in the world. So, you know, bosses can do whatever they want to me. They can say whatever they want to me. They can whatever, but nothing else matters. But knowing that I'm a good human mm. and that I am love in that. And that to me was very, very hard at me because, mm. and that was like a big, that was a big aha. It's like, that's all that matters. Mm. All that matters is that you know who you are. That's yeah. it. Totally, bro. So, what, I, what I love about you and your story is that you are tip, you are living a normal life, like a in the sense of like you like normal things. You're not for someone who's been open minded and spiritual for your whole life. You're not like one of those spiritual people. Let's just say that like you live a normal life, and it's just it's beautiful because you can you're, you're a guide for other people that say spirituality is okay with a normal human existence you don't have to be spirituality doesn't mean you're different it doesn't mean you have to wear different clothes or you know be different and not like footy so for instance right a hundred percent like a hundred percent and that's that's one thing that you know i'm not not proud of but i'd I'd like to be an example for luke is that like I love, I love footy. I love yeah. the Eagles and I love the Seahawks in NFL and I love getting around it and I love chucking hangs on the beach, you know, yeah. and I love going around kicking the footy, <laughs> you know, and I, and I love that and I love that stuff. And yeah. I consciously, consciously love, you know, supporting those teams and yeah, getting a little same. crazy when, when they're playing. But I also love, you know, sitting down and having a cacao and I, yeah. and I also love, you know, talking deep with people. And, yeah. you know, and it's just, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It just yeah. is a part of who you are and just is a part of your life. Fucking so, amen. Because I think, I think sometimes if we think it needs to look like that, look at it, sometimes that's just our ego saying that this is just yeah. how we should be or how we should act. So, yeah, it's no yeah. different to any other dogma, really, is it? If you say you got to wear and do and dress like this and, yeah. I, I respect exactly that, brother. That. I'm very much on that wagon. Like, I love, I love UFC and I love rugby league and I love AFL just as much as I love fucking breath work and ceremonial exactly. fucking kirtans, kirtans or whatever, you know, like a static dance. Like, life's about just being happy, <laughs> whatever makes you happy, and just being whole, man. Like, being fucking whole. It's, a, it's all integrated. Yeah. Uh, so talk to us about like any healing modalities you did in your life. You know, you talk about cacao a lot. Um, was there anything else you used? Like was there breath work? Was there things to sort of bring you back to a, um, a more whole state, balanced state? Yeah, for sure, man. So as well as working, so I've been working with someone since I was 19 on, on energy. So Is that, right? Is that really Rishi? Lucky. That's Rishi, yeah. I've been working oh, with Rishi since I was since I was 19. So coming up to 10 years now on, you know, working with energy, working with, you know, working with energy, working with the mind, working with integrating that into being human, you know, yeah. working with that. So that to me is, 
been the biggest part of my life, biggest healing, biggest everything, biggest support in my life. Um, but, you know, I was exposed to breathwork through my auntie when I was younger. So my, my auntie's a breathwork facilitator. And so I was doing that when I was coming down to Perth. So from 19 as well, 19 onwards. So I would go see my auntie Nancy if I had like a breakup, you know, if I was you know struggling with a bit of stress at, at, at university, you know, or if I just wow. wanted to dive in and be more connected, like, I would love breathwork because once I got the hang of it, once I understood it, I would love to you know try and go a bit harder, try and go a bit deeper, try and go a little bit longer, because cool, I would man. get get things drop in, or I would see really cool stuff, you know, and see people dancing around me or whatnot, and uh, you know, like so visions. I would go for the yeah, I get like visions of <laughs> you know one day. To the <laughs> well, I I enjoy getting into that quiet space where things can drop through yeah. because sometimes like we all are, I get into my head a lot and, yeah. you know, that stops from, from guidance to come through. So, wow. um, yeah, so I do that. And then just having a strong practice every mm. day, like just having a strong practice. And, and that's what it, that's what I think it really comes down to strong, fluid, but not rigid practice. So for me, the things that, that don't stop, uh, like meditation first thing when I wake up, and yeah. meditation and energy work when I wake up. And then over time, it's been, you know, a little bit of breathing. Okay. Sometimes it's been Kundalini yoga, yeah, Kundalini nice. yoga ma- mantra. You know, other times it's been um, like edging and a pool, a hot and cold plunge pool in the mornings. So, like a morning practice, but fluid with what's needed for me at that time. What's edging? So edging is um, consciously circulating your um, your so you're, you're masturbating and but consciously circulating that energy uh, up your spine and down down the front. Mm. So circulating that sexual your sexual energy. energy around your body. Oh, mm. that's potent, eh? I'm doing a podcast with um, Cam Fraser next week on sexual energy one hundred and one. Yes. So I'll, I'll talk to him about that for sure. For sure, mate. For sure, and he'll be the he'll be the man to fill you in and all that for sure. Yeah, but uh, definitely, yeah, that's, that would be that's, part of the morning practice as well. Wow, that's beautiful, bro. So, yeah. how's your friend group? How what's your friend group look like over time? Like, has it changed? Um, and has there been like a a shift as you've become more aware of yourself and grown into yourself? Did that friend group naturally change from school onwards? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I mean, I I only really had a one or two friends from high school and I guess the the one friend that's you know I'm lucky enough to be really close friends with with Tracy Spencer and Mm. we've been friends we went to boarding school together so when we're both bloody 12 13 years old to to now so we've been friends for 16 years and you know over that time you know we were house captains together we were in the boarding house together and um that that's been you know one of the most beautiful friendships i've had because it's gone away you know tracy went to find herself and then come back and reunite and you know just be uh be even stronger and lucky enough to be uh, really good friends with her partner luke as well and Mm. so that's been that's been 16 years and so i'm super lucky to have that and but for me like um yeah in college you know i was trying trying to fit in with you know, the, the boys, you know, dub boys, you know, the dub boys. drinking, 
our boys, you know, cap S on a Wednesday night, you know, clam on a Thursday night. And, uh, you know, but I'd never really fit in because I would never really talk enough shit or I'd never really drink enough. Um, and while I thought that that was important and while, like, while I thought the group was important and I never really fit in. Um, and there's one or two, there's, there's three of them that I'm still in, in contact with and still mates with. But they're not my super close, they would be super close mates. But, um, but yeah, so over, over time, it's just refined a lot more. I've got a lot of friends around the world, and, but I'd say I've got a really six close, close friends. And, you know, they include my brother, my sister, mm. Luke, Tracy, you know, my partner in, uh, yeah. in, and Cam. So really close, really close friends. It's so, more about quality than quantity, isn't it? For sure, for sure, it absolutely is. And and but in saying that, Luke, like the the tough part for me being in China and Shanghai is that there are not a lot of woke woke lads over here. <laughs> um, so you know, for me, what about the Buddhism community over there? I'm sure, isn't that like Tibetan Buddhism? You're up the north, aren't you? No, I mean, they're, they're um, eastern. I mean, I don't, I'm in I don't know I'm the geography. I don't, okay, I don't know the geography of, of China, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, it's tough for me not having really strong friends here. I've got uh, one good mate, but he's stuck in stuck in Australia at the moment. So that's actually been a challenge that's been coming up. And you know, finding out that I'm going to be a dad, really craving that strong, yeah. that strong, um, you know, masculine connection. And uh, while I've got friends over here. We, you know, there's not a lot of them I can have this deep conversation yeah, with, yeah. you know, and that's that's what I crave. I need that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I miss that a lot. I miss that. I so, just will you move back home? Yeah. I will. Yeah, yeah, we will. We're looking probably probably the next year or the year after. Awesome. Wow, brother. So, Good on you, man. What part of this journey are you most grateful for? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Every every time someone uh, says this, every time someone says like this is a great question, um, I watched watched Kevin Hart on on YouTube, and yeah. um, he was with uh, Floyd Mayweather. I think it was Floyd Mayweather or Dennis Rodman on one of his segments, and and he goes, "Oh, that's a great question." And, and Kevin Hart just goes straight away, and he looks at the camera, and he goes, "I know, I don't ask stupid questions," and so yeah. I can't help it. I can't help it, man. Every time someone says it, that goes on in my head. It's like. Funny. Oh, that's great. Mate, I, I'm, I'm super grateful for, for, for all of it, man. Like the things I'm most grateful for in this journey are my family. I've yeah. been lucky enough to be, have a great family this lifetime, mm. a really great family. And I'm super grateful to be working with Rishi this lifetime. Mm. And, they, and I'm super grateful for me. Like, I really love who I am as a person. So I'm really, really grateful that I, you know, came in as, as this soul in this lifetime, in this body, with this purpose. Mm. So I'm really grateful for it all. But, you know, family, Rishi, yeah, I'm just super grateful for it. I'm, you know, I, I can choose to have a good life this lifetime because of it. So... That's yeah. beautiful, brother. Very beautiful, man. And what's one tip that you would give your your younger self, your older self, who's you know cracking uh, through to finding himself a bit more? 
fucking don't worry about girls. <laughs> don't worry about girls. In, you know, in high school, in high school, you know, I wasn't the, you know, I, was, I still had puppy fat on me, mate. You know, yeah. don't worry about like girls and girlfriends. Like they'll come because yeah. you're a wonderful person. You'll win out in the end. And, you know, and I did. I've got a wonderful partner. Um, and also to just fucking believe in yourself. Yeah. Just believe in yourself. You know, be confident and believe in yourself. Mm, no matter what anyone else says, just fucking believe in no yourself. No matter anyone else believe in yourself, just believe in yourself. Just love yourself for who you are and believe in yourself. How That's does it. one, how would one do that? Like, if, if you like, like one tip, you go, like your younger self is going, yeah, but, but how? It's easy for you to say, but how? You mean like uh, when my kid is born and how am I going to teach them to believe in themselves? There you go, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, and I've thought about this. One is, you know, for my role is going to be just to love them, just to love yeah. them and show them how special they are and allow them to be special, but to encourage, but for them just to teach them, you know, that fear is just what it is, is fear and it's not real. And that all these consequences just aren't real. And just to have the courage just to explore and have the courage to make mistakes. Wow. You know, and, it's, and it's okay to make mistakes. You know, and it's okay not to get it right. You know, and, just to, and just to, to feel, you know, and it's okay. That's beautiful, so. brother. That's beautiful. I, I um, recall um, like this guy, Dan Pena, who's like quite, you know, has a lot of money, multi-millionaire. He's like... The reason I am the way I am is because my mum read this book to me, read this book and like brought me up on this book, which was basically the essence of it was basically she never said no to him. And if they, she didn't want to do something, it was because she would have, like, she wouldn't say no. She would say, well, explain the situation. We can't because of this, this, and this. And, or like, you know, we will, but we can't do it just yet. And it was like, it was never a no. And so now he has he had that mentality that everything's possible and now he's yeah. a multi-millionaire multi, multi yeah. millionaire, you know wow that's yeah, unreal so it's interesting but that's really cool brother and you know what it's been an absolute pleasure sharing this your story with this audience and having you on the woke man series brother so thank you so much for your time especially coming in from china i appreciate it you're welcome mate thank you so much for having me and uh it's just really nice to sit down and have a good chat with you like, uh, yeah, it's, it is, man. It is. Really, really nice. Really nice. Really nice. I appreciate you for having me on, mate. Woke man, bring love and just be. I got love in my eyes, bro. I can't see. I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be. Wokeness is taking my old self away. Yeah, I put love into me. I'm spreading that love. Yo, don't you see? Grab your cacao and drink it with me. Cause wokeness is taking my old self away. Woke man. Wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be